Morning, church. And open your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. If you're visiting with us, we are in a series that I've entitled Freedom because we're learning that Jesus has done a lot more than just forgiving us for our past sins. He's made us some huge promises surrounding the idea that he wants to set us free into some future blessings that can only happen because of the presence of the Spirit that we just read a few moments ago. Now, some of you walked in here this morning, and that scripture that Colin read is, is true, and maybe you're a little embarrassed about that. You're trapped in something that uh, you really don't seem like you can get out on your own. And so even through this message this morning as a family, we're trying to come around you and say, we can help you get free. And I hope you believe that. Because there's this huge promise that Paul makes, God inspires, but Paul makes to a church in Rome that was a bunch of ragamuffins just like us. And I think it's the second greatest scripture in all of scripture. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, Paul says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How? Because of the Spirit that lives in you. What a promise! And I hope in 2020 that you all out take advantage. It's a 98 of you last week said, Jimmy, I, I, I believe the Spirit's going to help me start. And you filled in the blank with a lot of great things that I know are close to your heart. And I just want you to know I've been praying over those this week. Our elders are praying over those. And um, I'm going to continue to do that throughout the mountain because we believe this scripture that God is able to do in us more than we could ever ask or think. So we're going to be praying for bondage that's broken in your life in regards to sin, for you bonding with your kids, that you'll start praying more, that you'll start eating healthier, that you'll start living on a budget, that you'll start exercising, that you'll start sharing in the gospel. What was amazing is so many, 70 of you said, I want you to help me start reading my Bible at least four times a week. What an incredible video last week, huh? Man, that was a stunner for even me. Ricky found that for us on the web and we had to put it as a part of that lesson. But it just shared in a very impactive way that that reading the Word of God four times a week takes our lives into a, an amazing place. And it makes sense. We've been hearing all the time that, that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is how we fight the lies of this enemy who is trying to just feverishly plant them in our minds. We've been looking at that for the last couple of weeks, how real that is, that battle for your mind. And God wants to say, I, I really want you to believe you could think for a change. Next slide, guys. Because we really can. And part of why he wrote this down in a word that we can listen to, that we can hear, that we can share in classes and study and carry with us and memorize is because he knows that, that so much of what takes place in our mind is what's going to show itself in our behaviors. The devil knows that little state, statement that we made last week, that we behave the way we behave because we believe the way we believe. And so he's after you with the lies that he wants to steal the truth of God's word, and set up a stronghold in your mind. And we're here to say this morning as a church family, we're here to help you break loose from some of those strongholds. 
please think for a change. And to help you do that are a couple of great things that are available to us right now through the church, the U version of the Bible. If you've not downloaded that on your, on your phone, please do. It's, it's just, it will always be there for you. Uh, there's also some great yearly devotionals that are on there. Uh, tons of plans. If you haven't found that, the Jesus Calling is what Gil and I are doing as a team this year. We're working through that together. Many of you here have been blessed by that. Then there's one here for, for those of you who are maybe a little bit further down your journey with Christ and, and, and you want something a little bit more meaty, my utmost for his highest great devotional resource for one year. But find just something. Find some way to get into this Word of God. Because our aim in 2020 is to experience some spiritual growth we've not yet experienced here in this church. And we need to do that not just on our own, but as we're going to see here together. Let's pray about this and then we'll get started. Father, my heart is just full this morning and a little bit excited, so please help me just kind of slow down. And um, Father, I just thank you for this church family who's... Just an amazing, amazing group of people loving on you, loving others. The energy that's a part of our fellowship right now is just so fun. And you're responsible. We just want to say thank you. But we realize you're not just doing it here. Even at the Notre Dame Catholic Church, Father, you're, you're bringing people to Christ. And we want to pray for those, those brothers and sisters there that you've raised up, that you've called, who are trying to live out the gospel in their lives. Please knit our hearts together. Thank you for every fellowship, every tribe in this, in this community who's trying to name the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior and trying to use this, this word of God that you've given us to mold and shape their lives. Father, we want you to help us see those things that we can share in together, talk about some things maybe that are different, but to always focus our heart and minds on your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that through the power of the Spirit and everyone said, Some of you are still choosing prison over freedom, and that breaks my heart. Even though we've been talking about how we can be free in Christ, some of you are making the choice to stay in the bondage that you're in, and that hurts me. I read about a fellow this week who has made one of the strangest prison choices I've ever heard of. I've heard of some pretty strange things that people will do out of devotion to their celebrity figures that they are in love with from entire homes that are dedicated to memorabilia to folks actually undergoing plastic surgery to look more like their idols. But the strangest yet came out of Oklahoma several years back when a fellow showed up in district court, the district court of Judge Ray Elliott. He was convicted, convict by the name of Eric James Torpe, and he was found guilty for trying to have a fellow killed. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison, and upon receiving that sentence, he raised his hand and said, Judge, could I address the court? The judge said, Sure. He began with saying that his favorite basketball player ever was the Hall of Famer Larry Bird from the Boston Celtics. And he said that Larry's jersey number was 33. And if the court would allow, James said, I'd like to change my sentence from 30 years to 33 years out of honor to my hero. True story. The judge said, I want you to know, friend, that Oklahoma law states that you must serve up to 85% of any sentence that's handed down to you before you're eligible for parole. Well, that didn't faze Mr. Torme at all. And so he will spend an extra 931 days in federal prison because of his devotion to Larry Bird. 
Isn't that crazy? Now that made AP news because all of us know that what Mr. Torpe was asking is not how people usually respond to a prison sentence. Most people want out of captivity as soon as possible. Most people don't normally choose to stay locked up. And I'm hoping, friend, you're not one of them. I really am. As we start into 2020, I'm praying with all my heart. If you know, you know that Satan has you in one of his own very personal prisons, that you will not stay there. Because God wants you to know he came to earth to make it clear in Jesus Christ. We don't have to stay in bondage to our personal prisons of anger and lust and bitterness and fear or chemical addiction or greed. We can break out of those. And today, if you're frustrated with your efforts to break free, and maybe these last weeks quite haven't put it together in a way that you can be, I just want to suggest one more major change factor. You ready? Statistics show that in about three weeks, those of you who've made any type of resolution in this new year are going to abandon them about the middle of February. That's, that's pretty normal for most of us who say, okay, this year I'm going to start... About middle of February, done for the year. And one of the leading causes is because we try to change on our own. And friend, the road to change, even with God's strength, is a road we were never, ever meant to travel alone. I want you to see this morning in Scripture that significant and lasting transformation can only happen with the freedom team. I mean that. So many who do not experience the life-changing Christ that they hope to usually try to do it on their own, and it's just impossible. Now, that may sound kind of spiritual, that all I need is God and me, but most likely that's just showing a little bit more of the pride that probably all of us struggle with every single day of our lives. More on that a little bit later. Let me just remind you at this point of the lesson, God never intended for man at all to experience life alone. As a matter of fact, before his relationship was broken with mankind because of the fall, the scripture says God creates Adam and he places him in paradise. And yet even there, before the fall now, with Adam alone in paradise, he says it's not good for man to be alone. That's huge for understanding the rest of the Bible, okay? Even placed in paradise, God says nah, it's not good for Adam to be alone. And so you know what he did? He split the Adam. He made two, and the two became one. And they began to experience this oneness that, that God himself and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had always experienced. And, and so not only did he create a being that could be loved, he created a being who could experience oneness like he had always known oneness. So he said it's not good ever for man to be alone. Genesis 2 and verse 18 is more than just a comment about Adam's circumstances in Eden. It is the basic principle of humankind that regardless of your address, you are never meant to be alone. I love the song that right now is rocking it on the Christian radio station. It's by 10th Avenue North. The title of it is No Man is an Island. But I love the chorus. Through trouble, rain, or fire, let's reach out to something that's higher Ain't no life outside each other. We are not alone. Barbara Streisand sang it best years ago when she said this. People who need people are the luckiest people 
in the world. If I could change that at all, I'd change it probably a little bit this way, that people who need people are the only people in the world. Brother, Jesus was the only person to walk this earth who had the resources to live by the me and God alone philosophy, and yet he didn't. Jesus chose to walk through this world, listen to me, with a life group. He did. The only perfect human ever to live intentionally chose to live life in close relationship with at least 12 people. And so listen to me, unless you know more about what God thinks a human being needs, you need a life group. You need a freedom team to do this life with because isolation thinking is simply this. It's stinking thinking. It is. This principle is not just true for human beings regardless of whether you believe in God or not. It's played out every single day in culture. Gene Neidich, who lived in New York City, was a 214-pound homemaker desperate to lose weight. But everything she tried failed, and so she finally went to the New York City Department of Public Health and met the famous Norman Joff. And he designed a specific diet just for her. And for two months, she tried it. But she wasn't losing weight like she thought she should, and so she tried something unique. She invited six of her overweight friends to meet at her apartment and they would talk about how they could do this together and encourage one another together. And today, over 50 years later, there are tens of thousands of Weight Watcher groups that meet all over the world and are breaking free from the bondage of eating too much. Now, if you ask Jean what's behind the success, she'll tell you this. One day as a teenager... I was walking through the park and a group of moms were caught up visiting with one another and I walked by the swings and some of the kids there were struggling to get off the ground, to get their swings started. And so I went over and I helped a few of them with a shove to get them going. Pretty soon they were kicking their feet and before you knew it they were just soaring and that day it stayed with me. And all Weight Watchers is at its core is simply giving people a shove in their pursuit of losing weight. And she said, you know what? Occasionally, all of us need a little shove. And we do. Brother, you may be able to do a lot of things on your own very well, but putting off a prison break alone is impossible. You need a freedom team. And here's why. Because God has chosen to change us through his church and not our own. Read the story. Central part of this story is his is how much we need each other. And he calls that body of, of Jesus' followers a specific name, the ecclesia, the, the called out, the unique, the ones that have been pulled together as a group, just a group of people who have a like mind and a light heart to make Jesus Lord of their lives and, and walk out this salvation and live it. Can't make a prison break on your own. I read about a woman by the name of Linda this week. She had an old beat-up Honda Civic, and she was going to drive from Alberta, Canada, up to the Yukon. She spent the night in the motel and asked the clerk to give her a wake-up call about 5 a.m. And the clerk was a little perplexed when she said it because she had seen the weather. But when Linda woke up in the morning, the roads were covered thick in fog, just like the clerk expected them to be. And she was watching her. She was looking out the window, and she said, Ma'am, I sure hope you're not planning on trying to make it up through those fountain passes alone. It's just not smart. To think it over, Linda went and had some breakfast, and while she was at breakfast in the diner, a couple of truckers sitting next to her, and they said, ma'am, where are you going this early in the morning? 
Sit up the white horse. They said, this morning? In this kind of fog? Have you ever driven those passes before in this kind of fog? She said, no. <laughs> so one of them said, ma'am, you're going to need a hug. Or you're not going to make it. And she said, excuse me? I hardly know you and I don't need a hug. Thank you. And the trucker laughed. He said, oh, no, man, that's just trucker talk. It's, about a tr it's for a group traveling together in a group. And here's how that works. I'll go first and you keep your eyes on my taillights. And George is going to follow you keeping his, your taillights in his sight. I'll get that right in a minute. It's a great little deal. Let me go over the hug again here. Miss, a hug's a simple trucker term. And it means traveling in a group together. Now here's how that works. I'm going to go first and you'll follow keeping your eyes on my taillights. It's working, folks. And George here is going to follow you keeping your taillights in his sight. Here's a part I wanted to get to because together we'll make it through. Man, what a picture for the church. Sister, this is how God gets you through the tough places where you need to go and where you want to go. He will surround you with people to hug you there if you'll let them. The question is, is will you let them? For your sake, I hope you choose a freedom team over trying to do this alone because you just can't make it. In the Narcotics Anonymous book, page 12, they say this. Through our collective experience, we have found that we can accomplish together what we cannot accomplish. What's the last word? Alone. Over and over in these pages of God's word, he tells us, that he will shape and mold and strengthen and deliver us into an image that looks like Christ more with other people's help. Proverbs 27, 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Fellas, you can't do this by yourself. You can't do this by yourself. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can't help him up. His friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Hmm. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And I'm telling you the truth, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I hear in that I need you. And I hope you hear in that you need me. We need each other because almost every journey to freedom can be tiring. Especially when we're trying to break free from destructive habits and lifestyles that have us in their grip. <laughs> but the truth is too many of us resemble this little girl. I'll show you a little video here. It's two-year-old August Hunley. She was having trouble getting out of her car seat, and so her dad pulled over um, the car because she wanted her coat off. And so they pull the car over, and, and she's trying to get it undone. Well, here, you just watch and see what, what happens with little August. Show them, guys. Why you by yourself? Why you by yourself? Can I help? You want me to help, Russ? No. Thank you. No, thank you. What do you want me to do? Why about yourself? <laughs> Why about yourself? I'll do this one, so I'm going to do that. You try! <laughs> Why about 
<laughs> you worry about yourself. <laughs> oh, can you imagine raising that teenager? I raised two. <laughs> Everybody who's trying to become a better person needs a little help every now and then. And there's this little voice inside of us that wants to say, worry about yourself. part of the flesh. And maybe that's why 109 times the Bible mentions an action that is considered by the Holy Spirit to be absolutely essential to human life. Encouragement. The very word itself means to inject courage into someone. In Hebrews 3 and verse 13, the Bible says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Families, listen up. Want to have a strong family? Encourage one another daily. As long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Wow, that's heavy. Yeah. We need this because if we don't have it, we're going to fall back into sin patterns that we've been trying to escape from our whole lives. In Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25 is a familiar passage. Let us consider then how we spur one another on to love and good works. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another. All the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Question. Do you see the day of the Lord approaching? Assignment for everybody. Encourage one another. All right? Inject some courage in the people that God puts around you. Now, when I was growing up, this verse was used to kind of berate us. You need to be in church. Here's what the Bible says. Obey the Bible, right? That's not what the Hebrew writer is trying to say. It's saying that when you get together, encourage one another. We can get together a lot and not be very encouraging. Have you been in churches like that? I have. And so, brother, if you walk into this church building just for you, you're missing out and we're missing out. If you're walking in here and you, you hear, the, hear the lesson and you sing a couple of songs and you grab your kid and you get the bulletin and you head out to go eat somewhere and you've not taken the time to encourage at least one person, this church has lost We've lost out on a day. We need you, all right, to be part of the freedom team here. And we really are trying to encourage that team mentality here because that word personal savior, I just don't see it in the Bible. We're part of a church family whether we like it or not. And we can be a lot more effective in helping others understand that Jesus came and it matters when they see us being a freedom team and a change team. And that starts with encouragement. Man, I want this to be known as Encouragement Central. When people walk in that door, I hope they never get out of here without invitations to lunch and, and what's going on in your world. And, and man, we're glad to see you. Because in this journey towards heaven... God says, I'm only going to transform you into the image of my son while you stumble and while you fumble and while you get discouraged and while you wonder sometimes that you don't just quit. Because that's this life. And so I've given you the church because you need some encouragement. Bruce Larson, his book, The Wind and Fire, tells about sandhill cranes these incredible birds can fly across an entire continent, and they're able to do so because of three great principles. Number one, they rotate leadership so that no one bird gets tired leading. Number two, the birds that are strong and can handle turbulence, they lead. 
And number three, all the birds follow information behind their leaders, and they're constantly honking encouragement to the lead birds. Love that. <laughs> Especially so in our last meeting of ministers that get together once a month in San Antonio. One of the younger preachers there, uh, he went to school with my kids at LCU, and so that tells you how young he is. And he asked me, so how long have you been doing this preaching, th- preaching gig is actually what he said. And I said, about 37 years. And he said, whoa, how do you stay at it that long? And I said, I've got some big honkers behind me. <laughs> True story. And I do. And you know who you are. Nobody flies very far in this world without some honkers, some big honkers behind them. And I have some. Yeah, well, I just got through celebrating seven years with this incredible bunch of ragamuffins. And we are loving it. Thank you. But this is for you. Thank you for trying to be a freedom team. It's not easy for us to hang on to one another and stay together. It's just not. Not in this world. And not with this enemy who's always trying to sow lies in our heart about, I don't need them. I can go over here and just do my own. No. The church is going to have a place in this world and continue to bring people to Christ when we realize that we're a team, a freedom team. Here's a couple of things that we all need encouragement in. Number one, you need some folks who will encourage you through prayer. Please hear me. You need some folks who will encourage you through prayer. The longer that I'm in ministry, the longer I'm convinced that the Word of God shows us that we're in the delivery business. Jesus not only demonstrated this in his ministry, delivering people from their blindness and the lameness and their deafness and their self-righteousness. The church also continued this delivering business. And Acts chapter 12 is a perfect example. Peter's in one of his prisons, a very specific, real, bars, concrete, soldiers watching in prison. And the church gets together and they pray for delivery for their brother. And God's response to that prayer is to send an angel to Peter. And the angel fetches Peter out of prison. But I want us to notice that it was prayer that fetched the angel. In Acts chapter 12, Luke writes this. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made for him to God by the church. An angel comes and fetches Peter, but prayer, I'm telling you, fetch the angel. That's why we take time here once a month to just stop and say, what do you you have needs in? We're going to surround this room with shepherds, and I just want to encourage you, as one of the leaders of this church, please find your way to them. You need a prayer team encouraging you, putting their arms around you, saying, we've been there. Let's lift this up together because we know the one who who can make this happen, and we'll be here to see you through it. Why do we need to do that with other people? Well, James 5 and verse 16 is very clear about this. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. Have you not heard that in a while? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another because healing is there. And somebody asks, well, why in the world do I have to confess to others? Why not just God? Why can't I just pray to God? And I'll tell you why. Because of your pride. Because of your pride. I can confess things to God and I can pray to God and I can still hang on to my pride. That's not so easy to do whenever I'm with another group of people and I say, can I share some of my struggles with you? 
Something that I'm not doing very well in. And would you join me and will you hold me accountable to making sure God moves me from here to there this next week or a little bit further down the road to there? That takes some humility. And you want to do that, especially with God, because God lifts up the humble, but he brings down those who are prideful. Every Christian needs a prayer platoon. In Romans chapter 15, verse 30, the apostle Paul says, even me. I urge you, brothers, by the encouragement of the Spirit and by the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do you have a prayer platoon? I do. It's a group of folks who've committed to praying for me here. And I've committed to saying, when I need some specific prayer cover, to calling them and saying, would you please cover me? Everybody needs a prayer platoon. So, number two, you need a freedom team that encourages you through prayer, but number two, you need gracious accountability. Woo, we don't like this one. One way to stay in prison that you're in is to develop a stay out of my business mindset, or as August said it, <laughs> worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. Coming to Christ in the first place always involves confessing sins. But what James says is, no, it's not just how you break free, it's how you stay free. You continue confessing your sins. You continue praying for one another because we can't do this alone. Where do I get the necessity for an accountability partner or an accountability team in my life watching Jesus disciple people? The disciples are arguing over who's the greatest and Mark tells us, Jesus asked them, what were you talking about back there? As if he didn't know, but he asked them anyways, what were you talking about back there? And one of them finally gets up the courage to say, well, we were arguing over who's top dog here? Who's the greatest? That's what a good discipler does. That's what a good mentor does, is he asks questions that no one really wants to be asked. Who do you give the right to do that in your life? The hard questions. My wife has the right to do that. We're one flesh. But I've got a couple of other guys that I don't mind asking at all to ask me the hard questions in life about what I'm doing with my eyes, how I'm doing with staying connected to God, how I'm doing when my wife's out of town with what I watch on television. I've got some guys who don't mind asking me the hard questions because I've invited them to do that. Now, do you do that with everybody? You'd be a fool if you did that. But you'd be an even greater fool if you didn't do it with somebody. Every one of us needs some prayer cover. Every one of us needs someone to hold us accountable. But number three, we need some encouragement to invest in kingdom causes. One of the biggest reasons that we get ourselves into our own personal prisons is because we're concerned more about our own whims than we are his will. The hardest lesson in my life and the hardest lesson of any of your lives is this. is to learn that it's not about me. <laughs> the very first line in Rick Warren's book, going through that with one of our new disciples, the first line in his whole book is this. It's not about you. I love that. But we walk into this world and it's just so natural to think it's about me. All of a sudden I'm, I'm a little wet a little uncomfortable, and I make some noise, and boom, this woman shows up. Sometimes it's a guy, most of the time it's a woman. Uh, a little bit hot, uh, 
feel a little bit cold, make some noise, and all of a sudden, here she comes again. A little hungry, make a little noise, and all of a sudden, here she is. A child comes into this world convinced it's all about them. Mom exists for me. Time exists for me. Anything I can get my hands on is mine. Anything I can put in my mouth is mine. And one of the ways that this manifests itself is in the fact that no child has to be taught the word mine. They know that one automatically. But they do have to be taught, am I right? Please. Thank you. And share. Because it isn't natural to think you may need something. No, it's all about me. Jesus says, as difficult a lesson as it is to learn that it's not, is a must. Jesus says, I want to tell you a secret most people don't figure out, and it's this. People may think it's all about them and that that's their road to self-fulfillment, but the only road to self-fulfillment is self Denial. And that's truly living. Don't take my word for it. Take his. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus says this. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And when Jesus says those words, he's talking to a group of ragamuffins just like us. And I believe that he meant that when you give your life to a bigger cause than you, that's when you start living. We see it happen every time that we do a mission project together. I love Christian Service Initiative. It's going to be coming up here in the spring, and we're going to go to some folks' yards, and and we're going to help them with yard work and painting some things and building ramps that they can't do for themselves. And I love those days when we go on mission trips to go build homes for people. We did one here, had our own little mission trip here this year, Habitat for Humanity. Dal talked about it a few moments ago. Oh, my goodness, yesterday, seeing Celia receive that house. Oh, my goodness. Not yet, guys. Next one. I'm giving away my sermon, all right? But where it's Cecilia, that wasn't Celia. <laughs> oh, no, Celia. See, it was so funny. We gave her the keys, and, and she said, can I say something? And there's probably a group of around 75, 100 people there. I don't know how many. And she said, I, I can't tell you what this means to, to finally have a home. And she said, and how it's happened, she said, not only has it been difficult to go through the application process and then, of course, to do the, the hours needed to help with the with building of the house, but she said, in the midst of all this, I find out I have stage 4 breast cancer. And she said, you've kept me going. She said, seeing you volunteers show up every week, week in and week out, help me get past the chemo treatments and, and these kids of mine. She said, I couldn't have made it here without you. We want to keep doing that for people. It, it's living. You know, we're doing that down in Mexico or, or just, just close to Mexico. And, and, you know, it's hot and it's sweaty. And, and it didn't take much of, as far as food to be good just to be good. Or, or just having a place to, to lay down to, to get some rest. All, those things don't matter because we're, we're pouring ourselves into other people. Oh, that we bring that back here. And so many of you do. Okay, now put it up on the screen, guys. It helps so much to just be here for each other. This guy on the screen's name is Jimmy Durante. About a third of you guys have never heard of him in your life. <laughs> about a third of you have heard about him, but you'd be embarrassed to admit it. And about a third of you know him way too well, all right? 
But Jimmy Durante was a comedian that started in the 20s all the way through the 70s. He made a mark in the, in the comedy realm in our culture. And so he was asked to be a part of a, a benefit for veterans of World War II. And when he was contacted, Jimmy will tell you, he politely declined saying, my schedule just won't allow me to be there. And so they said, well, we'll move the schedule then because we really want Jimmy Durante here. He said, all right, I can show up, but I can only do three minutes and then i got to go. He came to the event and he stayed five. And then he stayed 15. And then he stayed for 30 minutes. And when he got off, those who were his handlers said, I thought you were only going to stay three, but you stayed 30. Why? And he said, didn't you see those two soldiers in the front row? One of them had obviously lost his right arm in the army, the service to our country. The other one had lost his left arm in the service of the country. But you know what they found out? That if they worked together, they could clap for this ungrateful comedian up on stage. I need you. We need each other. And my, we can make some noise when we do. When we come together and just bring what we have. And so I just want to say it again. If uh, you signed up last week and you, you put it on the card, I want to start. Can I tell you this? Prayer's going to help. Being in the Word's going to help. But you need a freedom team. You just do. And so if you're not a part of one of our life groups that's doing life together, we've got a sign-up sheet out on the foyer here. Uh, maybe you've been a part of one and it didn't go very well for you. Well, we can get you in a different one. Uh, there's just some chemistry that doesn't work sometimes. But we need you doing life together. As soon as you say, yes, I want to be a part of the Kerrville Church of Christ, we place you in a shepherding group. But those are large. We only have ten shepherds. Okay? Ten elders in our church. And so we divvy 400 members up among ten guys. That's a lot of sheep. And so we can make some phone calls and we can check and see how you're doing in, in a lot of different ways. But, but as far as doing life with you, impossible. Impossible. And so we ask you to get into life groups, to get out of these roles and into circles. The first and third Sundays of every month, our life groups get together. And you know what we do? We do life together. And some, some pray, some sing, some study, some just eat dinner together. But, but we just want you to get together because we realize in just getting you together, chances are good you're going to start sharing your stories with one another. And before then, you're going to start sharing your needs with one another. And we see it happen all the time. If you're not in a life group, please get in. Because we were never meant to do this life. If he's stirring you to do that, I pray that after we sing this great song, that you go right out of there and sign up for one of the life groups if you're not a part of that. But let's do this together, team. Let's stand. Let's sing.